I want to take you to the portion of Scripture that I read from Wednesday night, and I'm going to pick up and go a little different direction, but I want to take you to the writings of Mark chapter 5, Mark the 5th chapter, and I join with Brother Landon in thanking all of you who were a part of yesterday. What a tremendous success had I have no idea how many hundred came through here, but it was traffic uh, jam. It was great. People that drove by and saw the sign pulled in, and they live in the community. We've made contacts, and we pray that God will give us favor there. Mark chapter 6. I read Wednesday night from Matthew chapter 10, but this is the same um, situation I'm going to begin reading with verse number 7, Mark chapter 6. And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money, in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into a house, there abide till you depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart thence, Shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about the responsibility of opportunity. Amen. Everybody say that with me. The responsibility of opportunity. God bless you. You may be seated. In the days before modern harbors were constructed and built to accommodate the large and luxurious ships of the world, it was a common practice for a ship to come to a harbor that was natural. Many times it was very shallow, and so they would have to wait for the flood tide before it could make its way into port. As a result of that waiting and anticipating the changing of the tide, the term for this situation that was coined in Latin was abportu, which simply meant that a ship was standing over off a port waiting for the moment when it could ride the turn of the tide safely into harbor. And so it is from that 
combination of Latin words, opportu, that our English word opportunity has evolved. Everybody say opportunity. No one, no one, no one should ever underestimate the power of an opportunity. No one. No matter what it looks like, no matter what you think about it, no matter how you feel at the moment, opportunities are nothing to be ignored. It is written in history that Marco Polo was one of the most famous explorers of history, but it really seemed that he got the exploring bug from his own father, who in the year of 1260, along with his uncle, traveled to Mongolia, which is now modern China. And while he was there, the influence of these two men moved a a man who had just taken the reins of leadership in that country called Kublai Khan. And after their discussions and whatever influence those men had over uh, this great leader of what is now China, when they were about to leave, the emperor revealed to them an interest in Christianity. And he asked those two brothers that when they went back to Rome, that they would take a personal letter from him to the Pope of that time. I believe it was one of the Gregories who was Pope of the church at that time in Rome. And so the letter stated by Kublai Khan that we request 100 wise men who can come and spread the gospel among our subjects. And so three years later, the brothers arrived home, and two years later, they set back out on their return voyage. But did they take a 100 missionaries with them? Not so, because the Pope felt it was unnecessary And so he only sent two friars with them. And those two men, so overwhelmed by the arduousness of the journey, turned back when they got to what is now modern Austria. And it was there that the whole crux of that nation swung in another direction. When they could have had the opportunity to have turned that nation toward God, Men did not deem that opportunity worth their while. And so in 1260, a path was charted for a nation that is still being followed this morning because somebody missed a golden opportunity. What a tragedy to imagine that if Kublai Khan's request had been granted, that we would have been looking at a different nation than we do today. But somebody did not realize the importance of an opportunity. Dr. Jimmy Allen pastored the First Baptist Church in San Antonio back in the 60s. And he said in one of his books that there was a dark-skinned little boy that sat in his Sunday school classes for three years in that church. 
And someone failed to recognize the opportunity and the potential that was there. And somebody missed their opportunity to reach him. The young man's name was Sirhan Sirhan, who would grow up to later assassinate Senator Robert Kennedy. And on a Sunday morning in a Sunday school class, being viewed as just a snotty-nosed child, somebody let an opportunity to change a life slip through their hands. Nobody should ever underestimate the power of an opportunity. Nobody should ever look at life and say that it's not worth what God says that it's worth. Opportunity. According to the dictionary, it defines an an advantageous chance, a favorable condition, a good chance for advancement or progress. It is defined as a suitable combination of conditions that make it possible to do something, leaving the underlying statement that without this, It would not be possible. It is the possibility that becomes the individuals because those things are brought together. It is a fit or a convenient time. Other words that we use for the word opportunity would be chance or break or an opening. And all of those are involved in the meaning of opportunity. I thought it was interesting that in Scrabble, the word opportunity is worth 18 points. Unless you hit on a double or a triple point. And yet in life, it's worth everything. Amen. In life, it's worth everything. It could be the difference between success or failure. It could be the difference between walking out of here today changed or leaving here the same way you've always been. It could be the difference between receiving in your life the touch that you need that could transform a situation in your life and completely alter the future of your existence or leaving to only continue on in the way it's always been. It may be only worth 18 points in Scrabble, but opportunity is worth everything in real life. Jesus set his disciples on a mission and they were sent forth with power and with authority. And he empowered them to do the things that he had done and the things that they had witnessed done by his authority. And when he sent them forth much Much, 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 much was offered to those homes and communities in which they would visit. More than I could even describe for you this morning was offered. And so it is when the Spirit of God shows up in a person's life, it offers opportunity. It offers doors that previously were closed. Suddenly they open before you. It gives you a hope that what was does not have to continue on in my present. And it gives me an understanding of what I really need in life. When His Spirit shows up, there's so much that is affordable and available to all of us. And it has been so in this service 
I don't know if you felt it, but I have felt such a depth and richness of worship here today. And it's not because of what we have done, but it is because of what God has seen in us. And he has chosen to let his presence settle in this building. And the power of God that you feel in moments like this can turn everything in your life around. It can make a world of difference. These men carried a powerful message that they were to deliver to those who would hear them. It was a message of hope and help and healing and deliverance and life. And what better opportunity could be afforded anybody than hope? The greatest thing that is needed in all the world right now is hope. That's what we have lost in America. People have lost hope that our future is going to be better. They've lost hope that our future is going to be different. And a lot of people have resigned themselves to the fact that life is just a messed up case and it's not ever going to be different than it is. And the reality is that all it would take to turn this thing around is a visitation of the Holy Ghost. All it would take would be for the presence of God to begin to move like it did at Azusa Street or like it did in Topeka, Kansas. And the power of God that moved there swept across our country and it redefined the borders of religious life and spiritual life for so many. And we're here today because of a spark that was ignited in a room in California. Amen. Because somebody said yes to the presence of God. Because somebody said, come on in, Lord. When God showed up, they didn't push him away and say, oh, no, we don't believe that. Oh, no, I don't think that can happen. There was something about the presence of God as it began to fill that place that encouraged them, if you'll just let me have my way, I'll change your life. And it has changed the lives of countless thousands. That's what the Spirit of God always does. It changes. It heals. My, what healing is needed in our world right now. I've never seen a more sick and messed up culture in my life as we have in our country right now. You don't have to look outside the borders of the United States and you see a world around us that is so desperately in need of healing. Minds and hearts and spirits and attitudes that need a divine touch upon them. And when these men came into those communities, they brought healing with them. Wouldn't it be great that when we leave here today, that when we go out into our separate neighborhoods and go to our homes, that we actually take something with us from the presence of God that's like a healing virtue that fills the atmosphere around the neighborhood where we live. Wouldn't it be great if some of us understood that we have the opportunity today to take to our world the only hope that they could have and the only thing that will make a difference in their life if we could just understand that right here this morning God is doing something and he's calling some of us and saying, come on, you need to wake up and realize this is the end time. You don't have much time left. You better get busy doing something for me. Something's calling me. Something is stirring me this morning to get up and do something for the kingdom of God. 
to take a healing influence into our culture. Deliverance. My, I don't even know how to, where to begin on that one. Deliverance. We need deliverance. And all of it was afforded. That's what they brought into the community when they came. They brought help. They brought healing. They brought deliverance. They brought life. And Jesus said, wherever you go, when they open their doors and they receive you, you go in and you stay with them. But if by chance they should not open the door, then I'll tell you what you've got to do. He said, you're going to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What a powerful statement. The literal Greek says the kingdom of heaven is within reach. Now that doesn't mean much to us because we were not raised under a kingdom mentality, but Israel knew what a king represented. Israel understood what a kingdom stood for. They understood the power and the prestige and the might and the authority of a king. And the scripture says that when he sent them into those communities, they took this message, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is within your reach. You don't have to look somewhere else. It's not in another block or another state or another community. But God has come where you are. Isn't that wonderful today to know that God's not expecting me to come up to some high and lofty place. But he's willing to come down on my level and say, here, here I am. Touch me. Feel me. Reach me. You can have me if you want me, if you'll just reach out and take hold of me. Come on, clap your hands and praise him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What greater news in all the world than anyone could hear than that God is within reach. Amen. My healer, my helper, my creator. He's not on the throne somewhere in a distant heaven. And I'm going to have to send a telegraph. He's right here beside me. He's not just beside me. He's in me. If I have the Holy Ghost, He's in me. Hallelujah. And it's within reach. They were given the opportunity to turn, to be healed, to be delivered, to be raised from the dead, literally and physically. Devils were cast out. What an amazing experience it must have been jesus said freely you have received freely give and if this message is received it will reveal god to them they will see things and they will understand things about me and who i am and what i can do and what greater blessing is there in all of the world than to have god revealed to you and what greater blessing could you bring to your home than for god to be seen in your home and that's the message that they brought. God can come into your house. It would be good if he came into some of your homes this morning. Amen. Mine too. Amen. It gets heavy sometimes. It gets burdensome. It gets overwhelming. The odds, all the problems, all the pressures, 
all the troubles, all the crazy stuff that's going on, all the unreasonable things that happen. Everything caves in on us. But when God is there, there's nothing that can crush you. There's nothing that can put you too low that He cannot reach down and pick you up and put you back on your feet. And when men look at you, they wonder how in the world are they carrying on. I'll tell you how they're carrying on. Because God's in their house. God is resident there. He's been revealed to them. They've seen His power. They've seen His glory. They have welcomed His ability to do exceeding abundantly above all that they could ask or think. Amen. If you would receive Him, if you would just open your home to Him, it would do more than just reveal God to you. It would bring Him to you. He's a very present help. Amen. Everybody say that. He's a very present help. When you need to put your hand on it, when you need to have it, when you can't go another moment without it, He's there. Amen. And you think, well, He arrived. No, He was always there. You just became conscious of Him (laughs) because He's everywhere all the time. And the trouble with us is we are so blind that we go through life with God all around us and we don't see Him only in crisis moments. The only time we seem to recognize God wanting to do something is if our world is torn apart and we're about to pull our hair out. But let me tell you something. When everything's going good, He's still there. And it would be nice if some of us were to acknowledge that, that when everything's going our way, we ought to look around and say, God is here with me right now. The reason that I'm able to do this is because God has helped me. God has restored me. God has kept me. God has protected me. Hallelujah. Oh, God is here with me right now. He's in this place. He's walking with me. He understands where I'm at. Man. My goodness. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God, more than just revealing Him, He came into their home. Amen. What a transformation. What a transformation when God's in the home. I don't know why I'm saying this. I just need to camp out a little bit. What a transformation when God is there. When the presence of the Lord is there. There's something about Him that even when tempers rise, there's something about the peace of God that just puts His hand on it and says, No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Amen. Wouldn't you like to have a house like that? Where when disagreements and our humanity begins to show up and we start clashing, there's something just puts His hand out on all that. That's what happens when he's in the house. That's what happens when we invite him, when we respond to him, when we say yes to him. That's what happens when we give him the opportunity and we allow him to come into us and we allow him to come into our house. Amen. Peace. Peace. Wonderful peace. Amen. Great peace. Have they which love thy law and nothing shall by any means offend them. 
Man, because he was there. That's what happened when those disciples went into the communities around where he sent them. They brought God. They brought peace. They brought help. They brought strength. They brought transformation. And all of that, all of that, all that I've talked about so far, was all contingent upon one thing, one thing. It wasn't contingent upon the quality of the preacher or the vocabulary of the preacher or the skill of his oratory. It was not based upon whether he had eloquent words or not. It was based on one thing. Did they receive what they heard? That's all it took for have, to, to have transformation. You see, it doesn't, it, it, you don't have to be a scholar. You can have the simplest of beings speak the word of God. And there's so much power in that word that if somebody receives it, healing, deliverance, miracles. I remember when Life Tabernacle started their school back in the late 60s, early 70s, late 60s, late 76, okay. There was a uh, Barbara and Nita Archer. Many of you know them. Great people. One day, I think it was Anita came into school and she was extremely sick. I mean, extremely sick. She shouldn't have been there, but she came and she come into the class and she was so sick and overwhelmed. She sat down in a chair and she opened to her first graders, six, seven year olds. She said. I need you all to pray for me because I am very sick. And with that, a little six-year-old boy popped up out of his seat. He ran up there. He put it in Jesus' name. And she said, when the last syllable left his mouth, I was healed. In a moment. In an instant. It doesn't have anything to do with whether I'm a good preacher or not. It has to do with the power that's in the Word and the power that somebody reaches out and takes hold of and says, Yes, I believe that. I believe God can help me. I believe God can deliver me. I believe God can restore me. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. 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 The opportunities, they can be missed. They can be missed. They've, they've been missed. There was a young boy that worked for a, a big-name department store. And he looked around one day and he saw all of the merchandise so expensive most people in the depression era couldn't afford it even before then he looked around he saw all this and he thought you know it'd be it'd be really cool if we could open a separate store for items that only cost a nickel and a dime because i'm looking around here and he said there's things here that Nobody will ever buy maybe one in a lifetime. And they cost thousands 
of dollars and there are other things that have been on these shelves. There's thousands and thousands of dollars worth of merchandise. And so this young man goes to his boss who owned the company and said, look, I've got an idea. Why don't we open a separate store and we'll stock it with nickel and dime things? And the owner of the company, he looked at the young man and he said, what are you talking about? He said, I can't even think of enough nickel and dime things to fill half of a shelf and you're wanting a whole store. Long story short, he turned him down. But it didn't discourage a guy named W.F. Woolsworth. Anybody ever been to a Woolsworth? Later on, the owner of the company made this statement. He said, according to my estimations, for every word of rejection that I wrote to that young man, it has cost me over a million dollars per word. Because... Somebody looked at it, and it didn't look like what they thought opportunity ought to look like. Opportunity often comes dressed in a disguise called W-O-R-K. Work. And we let work go on by because we're looking for our big chance. We're looking for our payday, our heyday. And we let things pass us by. You know what? I understand preaching. I've been doing it for 40-something years, 45, 6 years. I don't know, a long time. Longer than I've been alive, I think. Israel knew all about the priesthood. They knew about the Pharisees. They saw them every day. Their long robes. The Sadducees. They walked around all sad, you see. Just and these were the religious officials. These were if anybody knew it, they knew it. And I can only imagine as Jesus looked around at that hodgepodge of tax collectors and fishermen, and cheats, and even Judas was still in that group. A betrayer. They didn't look like clergy. They didn't smell like clergy. They weren't cultured like clergy. They didn't... I can only imagine knowing the other things that Peter had already said and the things that he was going to say before it was all over, put foot in his mouth, and all the crudeness. I can only imagine what he must have looked like going out on that journey, bringing that message. When people look at him, they think, do what? Say that again? You're you're telling me that I, I can be free from this demonic torture? Yes, I'm telling you, you can be free from that. You're you're telling me that my family could be healed. You're telling me that my children could be saved. (sighs) Nice boy, nice boy. You're telling me that if I were to respond to this message that my marriage could be made right, 
my relationship with other people could be healed. <laughs> Let's go to McDonald's. I'm not being funny right now, but that's the exact way that a lot of us come to church. Because it's not so-and-so preaching, or it's not this person singing, or it's not that song. You know what? All of those are just vehicles of transportation. It's not the vehicle that's important. It's the message that's being delivered that's important. That's what we've got to understand. And so it doesn't matter who's on the platform or who's behind the pulpit. If they've got the Word, the Word is life. If they've got a song that is inspired by that Word, then there's a hope there that if somebody would just reach out and take hold and say, Yes, that's for me. That's what God meant for me today. That's how God intended to help me. That's where He desired to pick me up and put me back on my feet. That's what can happen when we open up. Amen. The responsibility of opportunity is that we respond, is that we give Him a chance. Their opportunity came with a great responsibility. And if they rejected it, these disciples may not have looked like much, but never judge your opportunity by the package that it comes wrapped in. Man, it could be a dull Wednesday night service. I remember one like that. Anybody remember Mike Wheatley? Years ago, they were in the storefront with us, Mike and Karen Wheatley. Mike was raised another denomination, Karen was Pentecostal. They got married. They started coming to church down here. And for about five years, I couldn't get Mike to do, wouldn't lift his hands. He wouldn't. He'd just come and stay. He's a good man. Great, great man. Loved him. But we just kept loving on him. We just kept praying for him. And one, I think it was a Wednesday night. It may have been a Sunday morning. It may have been one of those. But I just remember this. It was about as lively in there that day as it is right now in this place. It was dead. And what's worse is I, I did worse than horrible preaching that morning. At least it felt that way. And I'll never forget big old Mike. At the end of service, without a major altar, we didn't even have musicians back then. Believe that or not. We didn't have keyboard players. All we had was a guitar that we, we plucked on every once in a while. And somebody had programmed some songs into a keyboard. And I think at that time my wife may have gone and pushed one of those songs. And when we stood for the altar service, big old Mike, he was about right back here. He got up without any fanfare. He just walks up to the front. He lifts his hands and he opens his mouth and he started speaking in tongues. <laughs> oh, 
I wish I could get into some of your hearts right now and help you understand the opportunity that God's affording you. And if you'll just say yes to it, if you'll just say yes to God, whatever you're going through right now, God's going to help get you out of it. He's going to navigate a way through it. If somehow in your heart you can just simply believe that what He's saying is true and He means it for my good and reach out and embrace it, God could transform your life right now. Right now. Right now. Amen. You could have healing virtue flow through your body right now because you just simply reached out and said, God, you can do that. This is nothing. You made my body. You know every part of my being. You know where I'm hurting. You know what's wrong in my body right now. And you have stripes on your back that I could be healed. And I'm calling on the blood and I'm calling on the sacrifice, the whipping that you took from me at Calvary. I'm calling on that this morning to let it do its work in my life this morning and let it heal me. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Let me give you a revelation this morning if you don't already have it. This service is not on trial and it never has been. The musicians are not on trial and they never will be. And my preaching skills are not being called into question this morning. What is on trial this morning is me. Is me. Because we've heard in our singing this morning the Word of God sang we've heard it we've heard about love so amazing love undeniable love that is so far-reaching love that is so amazing we've heard about blood that covers and blood that that can forgive and cleanse and restore and we've sang about an amazing god who can pick me up Turn me around and put me on the right path. And all that I have to do to find that and receive that is just open to Him. All I have to do is just say yes to Him. Seize my opportunity. Amen. What do you need today? I don't know, God. I I know that in the congregation like this, there's always... A number of needs, but I'm not asking in general. I'm asking specifically this morning, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need him to do in your life? What do you need God to restore? What do you need God to remake? He said, I will restore to you the years that the canker worm hath devoured. God gave me a revelation about that a while back. I was praying and I was thinking, Lord, how can you bring something back that's gone? The canker worm ate it. It's gone. You can't bring that back. God said, oh, you misunderstand. He said, I'm going to do something so good and so rich and so powerful in their life. I'm going to give them a harvest right now that is so amazing that when they look back, it will make them forget all that they lost because of what I'm going to do for them right now. Amen. Amen. Without a lot of fanfare this morning, without a lot of begging or pumping or priming, If you need something from God, why don't you bring that need to him right now? Why don't you just put it before him and say, God, 
You're able. According to your word, there's nothing too hard for you. I didn't say that. The preacher didn't say that. You said that in your word. There is nothing too hard for God. Nothing that I cannot do. God, I come to you broken today. Life has messed me up. I don't even know what's up or down anymore. God, I need your help in my life. I need you to touch my mind and straighten out my thinking. I need you to touch my spirit and straighten out my attitude. I need you to move in my heart and transform my feelings in my mind. I I don't want to fail in this thing called life. I don't want to fall short, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God, right now.